everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. And this is our series that we've been doing every month where we talk with female film critics and content creators about their experiences. It's really fun. And this is our 10th episode, which is just amazing to me. I can't believe it. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> and today we have two very special ladies here for our panel. I'm very excited. And we have Natasha Alvarez here. Hi. <laughs> and Alex Shashek is here. Hello. Thanks for having yes. me. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to get to talk to you both. And uh, what we like to do is we start out as uh, getting to learn a little bit more about you and uh, how you got started in creating content and, and criticism. And uh, Natasha, what about you? Uh, how I got started is um, I'm a, actually I'm a school teacher, so I teach English Lit uh, and I still do that, <laughs> so I haven't quit my job. But uh, yeah, so I, start, I, I, I started there and then um, I enjoyed my job, but at the same time it was like, uh, you know, 24-7 was just teaching, right? And then um, I turned 30 and then I was like, okay, you know, it's like my, my entire life is just my job, right? And then I think, you know, after you leave, then what's going to happen? So then I started going back into writing slowly. Uh, started a movie blog and I, well, that didn't last, but, you know, I started from there and then uh, I applied to like a few places to write, right? Uh, and that's how I ended up at Cultured Vouchers. So I started there as a, actually a prose writer. So I wrote a short story for them so that's how I started there but um, eventually I applied when the film the film editor position became open and so now I'm the film editor over there I just got recently uh, approved at Rotten Tomatoes so uh, yeah so that's how it all began so um, I do the editing over at Cultured Vouchers but also a lot of the writing yeah that's amazing that's yeah. really great uh, Alex what about you how did you get started um, I'm a lifelong movie fan. Um, I am a content creator over at the Cold Action Podcast. We do a bunch of after shows specific to really much, very much the fandom that is movie trivia showdown. If you're not familiar with that is, it's essentially it's a mixture of movie trivia mixed with the WWE prep premise where these characters, teams, managers, these really big personalities mesh with movie trivia. And as a result, um, I became very involved in this <laughs> very specific um, movie community and I started creating after shows and debate shows specifically talking about movie trivia and I also have a show called Cinema Bias that I co-host with um, Video Drew aka Drew Grant who is actually she works at um, uh, uh, at Peacock I want to say and oh, over yeah videos as well where we just dive into movies to really challenge us and watch movies really outside of our comfort zone mm -hmm. so it's uh, being a film lover is obviously a very ever-changing process always trying to learn something new about this industry and all the different types of films and critique and analysis out there so it's always been a fun process mm -hmm. That's really great. That's right. How did you get in contact with them? How did that all start? With who specifically? With the Schmodown and doing all of that. I just started out being a fan. I was a very consistent, mm -hmm. very obnoxious vocal fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I pretty much uh, just, I, me and a group of friends, we we were like, hey, you want to start a fan show about Schmodown? <laughs> and we did. And it ended up becoming an award-winning Schmodown show. We won Schmodown um, after show of the year two years in a row. And ever since we have more shows, we're in podcast form. We we attend live events. It's, it's a whole thing. And so we're very proud to be part of it. That's great. So Natasha, you, uh, your teacher, as you said, and you cover both, but you're both a book lover and a movie lover. And I'm yeah. curious about that. Uh, do you find that one is kind of taking over the other and you're becoming more involved in books or are you able to kind of do both? And how's that, uh, that all working out? 
Yeah, so I mean, it has a lit major, right? So it's an English lit major. Mm-hmm. I think books is like, I have to say it, <laughs> it's my first love. But uh, it's interesting when I started doing more on film. And then now, because I watch a whole lot more film compared to the books that I read. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys are readers, but when the pandemic started, it became really difficult for me to read anything. Like my attention was just like not there. You know, so I'm so um, glad you said yeah. that because I've had the exact same experience. I have had the hardest time, uh, just for some reason. Every time I sit down to read, I I get distracted. There's something that I have to do, uh, yeah. and I, I found it very. You think it would be easier in the yeah, pandemic, but I found yeah, it to be yeah. harder too. Yeah, so I think I think it's a thing. I mean, I think uh, because I think maybe books require a bit more of that that mental space to kind of dive mm-hmm. into right like you need to kind of be there right and present and be willing to kind of you know take the time to escape right so I think my brain just wanted like you know easy yeah. <laughs> easy escape so it's just like Netflix you know rom-com <laughs> you know whatever like would make me happy you know and yeah. of course I had my my usual uh you know screeners and movie reviews that I had to do so the book reviews actually helped me like it forced me to read because I had to review the books so um yeah. yeah, I I think I struggle a lot with I think you know which am I right? Am I more of a film person or am I more of a book person? And I think as of now I'm it's equal. <laughs> I have to say it's equal. But uh, yeah, but I've I've I think writing about film has helped me like see it in a whole different way. Uh, you know, because I've I've just loved watching movies initially, and I never thought that this could be something that I would actually be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like while well, being a being a critic, like, I mean, you know, usually you know, it's like when I want to watch a movie, I just hop on to Rotten Tomatoes, and now I'm on it. So it's like, it's a bit <laughs> surreal, uh, yeah. yeah. What about you, Alex? During the pandemic, what has kind of movie like movie watching and and uh, and creating content and things like that been different for you at all? Um, I first of all want to apologize for my cat. Oh, my cat decided right now he really, really wants to be vocal. So a few meows. Yeah. That's okay. We love we love uh, we love cats on our podcast. <laughs> um, um, it's it's definitely interesting. I actually have a personal movie challenge this year to watch three hundred brand new movies that I've never seen this year, and so far, um, and I'm ta- and I'm. <laughs> I don't know if you could have heard that, but it's it's been actually, it's actually been actually a really great process for me in terms of being like, hey, there's literally no excuse to watch, in my case, Pride and Prejudice from 2005, again, yeah. for the time. <laughs> that movie that's the hard part about being a film critic is that you don't get to re-watch your favorites very much because you have all these new stuff that you always have that's to watch true. yeah mm-hmm. that's true but at the same time it's depending on the movie i have actually come to realize i've i ended up creating a newer appreciation for certain films like I always knew Pride and Prejudice was directed by Joe Wright but mm-hmm. it's been a long time since I was like hey I'm gonna watch this consciously putting yeah. down my phone not while I'm multitasking or on my computer or chatting on the phone or whatever maybe because I, I I do I am sometimes depending on what I'm watching like if I'm watching Thor Ragnarok or something for the 10th time I'm right. gonna have my phone out right but I I watched Pride and Prejudice for the first time like distraction free for the first time in a while and I and I totally forgot about a handful of scenes and since coming into my life when I was like 15 versus now I'm 30 years old um I've come to to have a real appreciation for Charlotte's character and her situation Mm. so much more (laughs) yeah yeah because we always think, you know, God, Charlotte, yeah. why are you settling, isn't it, <laughs> into that man? <laughs> movies as we change as well. So that's that's actually kind of nice, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah, yeah. It, I remember when I was in college, I was with a bunch of my friends, and we'd gone to see a movie that I didn't care for, and afterwards, I'm like talking and analyzing it and whatever, and and uh, and they, one of my friends says, Rachel, we just wanted to watch the movie, and I. <laughs> 
was like, oh, what? No, that, there's, that's the whole fun of it. What? <laughs> and I think that's like the best part about being involved in with all the downsides the best part about being involved with film twitter and and creating content is you get to find like the like souls who don't say we just want to watch the movie you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think that's what makes it fun is you make friends and you and you uh get to talk about the little details that the nerdy things that we uh that I think that you have to see kind of a lot of films to sort of analyze film on that kind of level. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's what separates like a, a film critic from just an average film goer is, or a, a content creator is that they have that breadth of experience. I mean, you're going to be watching 300 movies. That's going to give you a perspective on the year. Even if you don't make your goal, like that's going to be, as somebody who watched over 300 movies last year, it's, it's, it gives you a perspective on the, the world of cinema and on each individual film that you just wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, so, yeah. It's definitely kind of a weird, not so much in a weird situation, but we're in a very unique situation compared to a lot of previous, mm-hmm. I guess, generations where um, movie critics and um, creatives and content creators in general, we can really connect with each other over this really specific thing. I like, I saw the movie Taxi Driver for the first time earlier this year. And I'm like chatting with some people that have been lifelong Oh. Dev- devotee fans of Scorsese oh. <laughs> and and especially coming from uh, especially coming from a, a woman in this situation at this point in time versus like someone that's like 70 years old and still on Twitter uh, uh, that kind of grew up with it that uh, really kind of let it marinate for a very long time and it's a huge fan of Scorsese in general it's not only two very two very different perspectives but we can really collaborate and have a really ideally love to have a really cohesive conversation surrounding and kind of mm. learn about mm. it and maybe I take away from something that they've never thought of before and vice versa yeah, I think that's very, very true. And, and that brings up kind of a, a good point we like to talk about on this show is what do you think that having female voices in criticism adds to the world of criticism? Is a review or review? Does it not matter what gender we are? Uh, or do you think it does matter that we have these different voices critiquing film? What do you think, Natasha? Um. I think, I mean, I think I see it very blatantly, I think, when, um, you know, because uh, like what you talked about, the whole idea of writing community, right? So mm-hmm. like, at, you know, at Cultured Vultures, I think, you know, the, I mean, whichever, you know, the females, right, that are present, right, you know, so, I mean, there aren't as many, right, compared to, I guess, the men, right? Uh, and I think our focus as well, right, um, you know, on, on movies that I think, uh, you know, might otherwise uh, kind of not be seen or not be kind of reviewed. I don't know, like, um, like I think for my, my latest example that I can think of was um, when Charlie's Angels, like the reboot was released, I think it was in 2019. Um, and before, like, I think before even the film was out, there's all these, like, you know, I think because, you know, Elizabeth Banks said some controversial things and everything, right? Uh, and I think I remember reading uh, some reviews that kind of, you know, um, pitted the, I think the 2000s ones against, like, the the reboot that was done uh, and kind of, you know, kind of saying that uh, it's not essential, right? Um, you know, like, we, do we really need another Chinese Angels and you know it's just more blender you know less fun right you know uh and then I kind of thought that you know it was it's a bit restrictive I mean I'm not saying Charlie's Angels 2019 is like the best film ever right? right but I'm saying that you kind of like in comparing it and then kind of using that to tear it down or uh, kind of you know just saying oh it's a reboot you know then I'm just gonna kind of like you know don't I mean and based on you know controversial remarks I guess that the female director mentioned Mm -hmm. then uh, you know I'm just going to go in with the premise that I kind of hate it I felt like there were a lot of strengths to it as well as weaknesses and I think sometimes uh, you know 
I'm not saying that all male critics are like that, but it's like sometimes I think when it's a female kind of centered movie, like the 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 nitpicking is a bit more intense. Uh, you know, like if there's something wrong, it's like really wrong, right? You know, compared to like I think there were so many, you know strange male action movies I think that uh, you know they were just very so-so right and I mean you know did we really need another Rambo I don't think so but <laughs> it came out and it did quite well I don't know so um, you know I think in the box office so I think uh, for me it's really about uh, I think that bringing that lens up has a, that I have as a female critic. And I think, you know, I'm um, giving credit, I think even to like romance pieces, which I think, you know, don't get a lot of uh, due credit, like rom-coms and all that, you know, they're just kind of um, sometimes viewed as, uh, you know, like vapid or superficial and uh, dismissed, right? And uh, there are some bad ones, right? But I think that there are still, you know, things that we can kind of look out for. So uh, for me, it's really on the scale of like, like a parity thing. Like it's just to look for things that I think sometimes are missed out on or are not emphasized on or, you know, depending on who's viewing it. Yeah, so I think that's the important thing. I think that that's very, very true. And especially if something is going to be outwardly saying that it's girl power or it's for women, then it, of course you need to have women saying, is it successful in doing so? Is it yeah. is it actually empowering? Is it not? Yes. Like, it's, of course, like it just goes without, almost goes without saying, but, but uh, I, I know I felt that way with Bridgerton. I was just kind of like, of course, women need to be reviewing this. Like, of course, anyone can review it. But yes. it, it's it's so obviously made for the female gaze and the fe- female uh, to satisfy women, <laughs> women. And I mean, that, of course, you have to have women reviewing it. <laughs> I think I think we all I'm need sorry. to react I'm to this spoon scene. <laughs> like when you said that, I thought of like three scenes in particular. And I was like, mm. yeah. <laughs> was one of them the spoon scene? Was it the ice no. cream spoon scene? <laughs> Like, I I don't need to be thinking about Bridgerton to to think about that spoon scene. I just, like, think about that, you know, like, every time I eat cereal. Yeah, I put on Twitter, I was like, the idea of male critics reviewing Bridgerton to me seems, like, kind of ridiculous. Of course, everybody was like, how dare you? And I'm like, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying it seems kind of ridiculous. It's it's definitely kind of a very I think it is a very complicated question yeah. to try to answer because I've had um, because I like to think content in theory is made for everyone. Yeah, like there's mm, no yeah. reason a man can't enjoy uh, a man can't enjoy Bridgerton. There's no reason sure. why a person of a certain race, gender, whatever it may be, can't enjoy it. It's all about whether or not it's just a really good story, and that's what's going to draw a person in, regardless of the situation. Yeah. However, there's, there, like for another example is um, I being a, being a woman, I am going to go in obviously with a, through a certain lens, obviously. Um, But I also have to know that some content is very specifically made for certain audiences. Like I remember, um, I remember, um, chatting with some friends over Superfly, <laughs> the, the remake of Superfly. And they were like, and they were like, Alex, she, she was like, Alex, I love you. And I'm, I think it's great. You're watching this and you're critiquing and analyzing it, but this movie is not made for you. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is a, this is a movie made specifically for black audiences. That is, um, and anyone who else who also wants to enjoy it, but it's also, it's a very specific film that's, it's based off of a black, very famous, very iconic black exploitation film from 1976. And I was like, and, and it's, there's a lot of references for those specific fans. And I'm like, you know what? That totally makes sense. And I didn't mm. know at the time it was based off a black exploitation film. And I since watched it and enjoyed it a lot more. Um, but you kind of have to know specifically they're going into it. Uh, a lot of directors and creatives will mention, I am making this for certain groups of fans. I am making this for certain communities or whatever the situation is. And if they love it in particular, that's all I need. I don't care if everyone loves it. I don't need any everyone to love it. But as long as this group of people loves it, that's what matters. And yeah, because one of the problems that you can have in movies today is that people trying to please everyone and make make something for everyone. 
And uh, whereas if they just focused on a targeted uh, audience, not that they should have an excuse, like that's a problem with faith-based films a lot of times is that, uh, that they, they, they use that as a sort of thing to lean on. Oh, we're making it for, for people of faith. That's not an excuse to not make a good film. You should still make a good film, but you can make it for that audience. You don't, you, you, you shouldn't be thinking of how do I make this, make this for an atheist. You're making it for your audience. That's fine, but still make it good. Like have good characters, good writing, good plot. You know, like that's, that's uh that can still happen both at the same time. And uh, so, yeah, I think that uh, it, it is important, especially in these in these uh, spheres that are kind of made for women in mind. That I think it's really important that we have critics who are saying, mm, "Is it is it good? Is it bad? What's going on? What are they trying to do?" I mean, when I'm watching a Hallmark movie, I'm not looking at it from the same uh, lens as when I'm watching one of the Oscar contenders. And not that again, not that I'm giving you an excuse, but it just has a different goal. And so that's where you, plus I just really enjoy listening to female critics. And even if I disagree with them, I just think it, it always kind of adds something interesting to the discussion uh, rather than just hearing one perspective, just as I, I'm interested in hearing from LGBTQ critics. I'm interested in hearing from, from black critics all different critics. Cause I just think it adds something to my analysis and just makes it more interesting, I think. So um, I do kind of want to mention as well, just bouncing off of yeah. that, that specifically um, it's, I know you said that like women, everyone, or um, regardless of what, who you affiliate with, what group you're a part of, gender, et cetera, um, everyone has, even if you are from the same community or if you are, have the same gender, People are also going to interpret films differently. Obviously, right. like I, I have watched. Um, like I remember going into watching *Inglorious Bastards* with some friends um, when it came out, like in what two thousand seven or eight, nine, whatever it did. And going into it, I remember going in with some friends, some female friends in particular, and we all had very different interpretations of the thing. Now I have a problem with Quinn Tarantino and his relationship with women. <laughs> I what feel like it's definitely a consistent trend that can't be ignored, but um, that's another conversation for another day. But I have a lot of other female friends that actually find a lot of strength and resonance with his female characters, the way he writes them and the way he films them. And so even though we're both females from like the same community or whatever it may be, we can interpret these things incredibly different on big things such as like female empowerment and how, it, how it's different for different people. Yeah, I think that's, that's very, very true. And that's why it's important that we have is, as many voices as we can and hear as many different perspectives as we can uh that uh that we're we're not just hearing kind of you know a couple different couple different voices i think it's really important uh, so when you're doing the alex when you're doing the the cinema bias reviews uh, i noticed they were kind of all over the place uh, and i was curious how you how do you decide kind of what you're going to be talking about um, really, well, we do have a patron page specifically, and we do have um, episodes dedicated where patron, our patrons would vote and pick on the movie. And <laughs> so sometimes we might get a random movie, like there was like, I remember there was one uh, movie that was thrown in the magical legend of leprechauns and fairies. <laughs> that was like thrown in um for uh, st patrick's day we didn't i wasn't voted on so we didn't actually um uh go with that one but we ended up picking movies specifically on who if like um we pretty much swap if we have a guest on if they get to choose but it goes like i cho if i choose a movie we are cho choosing a movie that i love that she has not seen and then the next week is vice versa and we come from very, very different backgrounds. She has a very traditional, um, Drew has a very traditional um, film uh, background. She's, uh, she worked at the, at the RAP. She's worked at, with um, uh, New York Times, a whole bunch of places. And 
as a as a as a as an editor as a film writer, and she's also worked um, as a theater critic as well in New York City. And I'm pretty much like an average Joe going in, <laughs> and we, and also she has uh, very specific biases. Like she grew up watching a lot of um, Woody Allen which she said was like huge with her upbringing, being, um, being a Jewish woman, being from a Jewish family in New York City and m me moving around on military bases my entire life. <laughs> Very different films that we grew up to love. So us coming together, we ended up watching a lot of movies that are very, very different. <laughs> so it's fun. Yeah, like I know she had children of men and American in Paris and I mean just kind of all over the place. So do you find it hard when you have to review those classics? Because there's so much sort of you're expected to love it. No, um, absolutely not. Um there's I'm actually surprised with when it comes with the classics. There's a lot of classic mm -hmm. stories that end up I'm surprised by how much I thoroughly love. Like I saw a Philadelphia story for the first time. A like a few months ago and I was like this is wonderful <laughs> and Jimmy Stewart is so beautiful like how did I just discover this hunk of man <laughs> I am way I was born in the wrong yeah. place <laughs> really. but um yeah but there's so many stories now there there are some stories that really really clearly do not age well rather because of the actors you find out some actors mm -hmm have really bad situations like you you find out like histories of some actors or actresses had a lot going on behind the scenes and they were abusive or whatever so you kind of go through that lens um but you also kind of but you also know that some other movies that just seem so much more amazing considering the time yeah the perspective and how it amazingly like kind of rises above not being like horribly sexist or racist or whatever you or somehow they created a visually stunning film considering a lot of the limitations that they had so it's awesome yeah what about you Natasha how do you get assigned the pieces that you do for uh cultured vultures do you do you just come to them or do they uh, how do you decide on what you're going to cover? So um, I guess for us, it's a bit different. Right? It's a lot on currency. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, so um, uh, the press people or the media, um, you know, or the various publicists will reach out to me, you know, for um, screeners, right? Uh, and of course, you know, I mean, there's so much movies out there, right? So I will, yeah. I will screen, I will read through the, you know, I think about the synopsis and everything, I'll read through it and, uh, you know, have a look uh, on the internet to see what's, you know, and is there any conversation yet about it, um, you know, and then I kind of decide which ones I want to review and then, you know, which ones I think would be a good fit for um, our writers. So then, um, you know, then, so there's a lot of um, recent releases, a lot of screeners, um, but it's always exciting when you get like one of the big ones that you've been waiting for and you're like, oh, you know, mm -hmm. I think last year was happiest season. Uh, oh, you yeah. Know? Yeah. So I was just like, oh, please, Hulu, <laughs> give it to me, you know, and, uh, you know, and then they, they, <laughs> they came through. I don't know. I don't know how they found out, but yeah, so I got to uh, review that last year. So I think um, it's a lot of, uh, we do mostly, um, you know, new movies, new releases, uh, you know, film festivals, if, you know, some of the writers are attending, right? Um, because of my job, I really can't, you know, commit to the film festivals because I think there's a lot of, I think if you want to do it justice, you have to see quite a bit of film. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I did Nightstream last year. Um, but that was together with our team. Uh, so I signed the team up and then, you know, then we got to watch it as a team. So I think, you know, um, I didn't have to review as much because it was like a team thing. So everyone just kind of did a few and then we could cover the, the film festival. Uh, so like what, you know, what's great out there. So it's a lot of current things. Um, we do do retrospectives, um, but also we got to kind of see, you know, um, I guess the, the conversation surrounding it, you know, like um, sometimes, you know, um, a friend of mine can do like a piece on, you know, the hand flex in Pride and Prejudice. You know, I'm, 
I'm sure Alex will be familiar with that. You know, the scene where he's just like, <laughs> oh, you know, so and can, yeah, you know, and he can he can do like really well, right? You know, and then maybe yeah. you write another Pride and Prejudice, and people are like, oh, I'm bored. So I get, you you got to kind of see um you know what's what's current, and um also I guess if you know a film is having an anniversary, then you know do you want to cover it? Do you know you want to write about it? Or maybe you know there's just been too much conversation about the film. So mm-hmm. yeah, so so I mean. Sometimes I don't I don't get to always write what I want to write about, but I guess it's always good because I write for a few, um, you know, film sites, right? Yeah. So if you know my editors like, uh, maybe not, because right? it's like I think we we're always thinking about what would interest our readers, right? So maybe mm-hmm. sometimes something that's current anymore, then maybe I I'll write about it or, uh, for another site or another, you know, mm-hmm. collaboration, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think that your perspective is a little bit different than other uh, other critics being from Singapore? Do you think that changes your perspective a little bit? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I think, I mean, I watch like, you know, I, we have our Singaporean films and, you know, I've been mm-hmm. I've been privy to that. Um, what about but, um Crazy Rich Asians? Was that weird like to, what was like that it. like to review? <laughs> you didn't like it? I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, I think it's because, right? Because, uh, I mean, yeah, Singapore is heavily featured in that movie, right? And yeah. you know, all of us were quite excited because yeah. we were like, yeah, <laughs> representation, you know? And then um, I went to watch it in the theaters with my girlfriends, right? Um, but I think- an extra person. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I love that movie it's like there's a lot to like love about the movie but also um like you were kind of saying earlier about knowing what the goal of the movie is trying to accomplish like, like you don't compare a hallmark movie versus like a historical epic kind of thing yeah. obviously the, the goal of the goal of the movie is very different you will not compare these two movies it's, it's like comparing apples to oranges it's bonkers mm-hmm. yeah. um but at the same time as long as you're consistent and there's a lot of things to love about a very simple stories like we can't really we, there's no reason to brush off simple stories especially when it, when it comes to like awards or whatever like i think die hard should have been an oscar-winning film Mm-hmm. I th- it watchly well, technically is but I think it should be nominated for best picture in my opinion it is a perfect action adventure from storyline point of view as far as like a lot of like the villains the lines anyway anyway but um yeah. again a conversation for another day but there's no reason to brush off a story like that and be like well it's one of those blockbuster movies therefore we can't take it seriously yeah that's that's definitely true you know every once in a while you'll get their lord of the rings or something like that getting recognized but uh or maybe a nolan film or something like that but for the most part uh they those kinds of the the films that actually like really entertain people don't get recognized as opposed to movies that are more artistic and challenging right like there's sort of and not that those can't be entertaining but i don't know it's usually those kinds of films are not seen as like artistic enough to be recognized by the academy yeah i think i think my my gripe or my issues with crazy rich asians uh i guess it really comes from a singaporean um so i guess there is a difference right because i'm looking at things like the setting and being from the space, uh, you know, I'm thinking about how we're being represented uh, on the screen, right? And I think um, a lot of, I think, um, you know, things like the, like the security guards, I don't know if you remember that scene, but, um, you know, when when uh, the two of them are kind of going into like the big house, right? And then, you know, there's this man who kind of just pop out from nowhere, right? And, you know, these are minority figures in Singapore, right? So I think mm-hmm. our treatment of, you know, even different Asian uh, ethnicities in the film was a bit of a, a thing for me yeah and I think um, and I think the whole point is that I think the satire I felt just wasn't played up enough because it's supposed to be like like ridiculous <laughs> uh, you know and over the top right but then you know she's crying over the the water wedding thing you know and water's like coming down I don't even remember that scene where yeah, the wedding know, yeah. yeah and then she's just like I'm just like okay <laughs> so uh, uh, you know I mean 
I thought I would enjoy it because it's basically, you know, just an Asian version of Pride and Prejudice, right? Uh, you know, but I think I preferred the book and I think uh, the movie did succeed in some ways with representation. I think, you know, now I think we see a lot more um, in terms of, you know, Asian American, just Asians in general, right, on screen. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, and I love that Singapore was represented. But I think I had like some issues with it. And I think mm-hmm. I wrote an article <laughs> on it <laughs> um, detailing <laughs> all the, 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 the reasons why, um, you know, it wouldn't really make my top kind of rom-com list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in terms Overall? of characterization as well. Or just yeah. like yeah. a fear? Uh, like it wouldn't be, like I watched it once mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I did not. Yeah, we, not we, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is why we need all these different perspectives. I think it, it helps helps us all see uh, see things uh, differently and, and just have a more well-rounded view of, of film. But I think part of the thing with that film was that we have just had been getting so few romantic comedies released in theaters. I mean, it had been years since there was one that wasn't super raunchy uh you know we we got the judd apatow kind of romantic comedies but but for for a long time we would not get any and so i was so excited to be able to go to the theater and actually see a a, 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 what i i enjoyed it uh see a well-done romantic comedy and i i wish that we could get more uh more of them i'm hoping with you know with things like tell the boys i love before and stuff like that and with maybe even the success of hallmark that we start seeing more of those films because they're not expensive to make and uh and there's a huge audience for them so i don't understand why they're so so rare I think uh, now it's become a Netflix, like a like I think streaming platforms are kind of leveraging on on mm-hmm. the on the gem that is the rom com, right? So you know That's you, you kind of see all these studios kind of selling their rom coms to like Netflix or like Hulu, you know Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I don't know. I think I, I I don't know where I would rather watch a rom com. Would I rather watch it in the cinema? Or would I rather watch it at home, in like you know, on, on a streaming platform in my PJs and just kind of enjoy it. So, um, but just like a, a yeah. feature film, as much as I love the TV movies, the Hallmark movies, I also love feature romantic comedies and, and it, it's, so it's fine to me if I get it on a streaming, I just, I just want more, <laughs> but um, so what do you think of the love birds? I think that was the most this is the most recent one I think I can think of that yeah. was supposed to be released, but you know didn't yeah. because of the pandemic. Um, I went well, fresh on it. Well, in 2018, I know there. I mean, there weren't that many. There is a handful of more rom coms that was released in streaming services, such as um, like Set It Up. That was a pretty successful yeah, one. Yeah, that was a good one. For 2018, also had Love Simon, which was very uh, popular. Yeah. That was good. Um, Destination Wedding was actually one of my favorite <laughs> rom-coms. In oh, movie. you like that one? <laughs> the, that was great. The Winona Ryder, right? It was not my favorite, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> and Keanu Reeves, oh my God. <laughs> I, I watch it and I don't watch it because for as a rom-com. I watch it more of as a dramedy. And I just uh-huh. like, and I'm like watching these two assholes. <laughs> they really are. Bounce off each other. That's what, so going uh-huh. Watching this is a rom-com thing. Uh-huh. But, um, it, it's well, just a- so we like to ask on this show. We like to talk about an unpopular opinion that we had and what that experience is like online because it can be pretty intense. And uh, this t- month, I actually have a kind of like a positive, like one I liked more than other people, as opposed to dislike. I actually liked Tom and Jerry. I am one of the critics that enjoyed it. I liked the animation. I thought that it was fun. I liked the these kind of slapstick, uh, classic Tom and Jerry kind of style violence that you had in it. I thought that was entertaining. I guess for me, it was exactly what I expected in a Tom and Jerry movie. I, I mean, I guess I could have used more Tom and Jerry, but I don't know. Overall, I thought it was charming. I enjoyed it, um, but I was definitely in the far minority with that. Yeah. And of course, when that happens, you always get the people who are like, how can you how can you like Tom and Jerry and not like uh, Mank or something like that? And you're like, oh gosh, I hate Mank. 
<laughs> that was the unpopular opinion that I brought to the table, actually, that I didn't like Mank. <laughs> I was so bored watching that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like I had to like just get through it because I had to review it. And I was just like, God, I just kept checking the, the runtime. Right? I was just like, it's so long. It's so well, like I, yeah. Yeah. What's kind of weird about sometimes movies, especially nowadays where we know so much about the behind the scenes, like going into Meg, I knew it involved uh, Fincher's like father or father-in-law or something like that. And I knew His this was yeah. like 15, 20 years, he died and blah, blah, blah. And so going into it, you kind of have this story going into it. And then I watched it and I was like, I cried at it because I was so bored. Um, but it's, it's really kind of weird how... The, the more behind the scenes aspect, the story and everything behind that, it, as far as like how this movie came to be is much more interesting than the movie itself. Yeah. Like, like Justice League personally, like I think oh God. Everything, <laughs> everything surrounding it behind the scenes to me is so much more interesting than the actual movie itself. It's... Have you watched Snyder Cut? Yes, I have seen it. Oh God. <laughs> I have yet to... To oh, block out I mean, the four hours. To I watch haven't it. seen it either yet. I, I, yeah. watched, I watched for, a little bit of it. I, I'm excited for people to that love it. I'm excited if yeah. you, I mean, just like any movie, if you love, if you love, I'm not going to yuck your yum mm-hmm. and don't yuck my yum. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> but there's, but also it, going into it, like, you you don't want to lie about the movie itself you don't want to say something it's not you can't go into if you're watching the movie x-men and be like yeah i love x-men the original x-men from 2001 it's so great it if michael fassbender as as magneto is wonderful like i'm sure you watch x-men that's not x-men that's michael fassbender wasn't in it right are you thinking about that's why somebody was saying to me today and are you mixing them up and he's like no michael fassbender i know he's in it. like no that's a different movie <laughs> at that point if someone's like trying to tell me something it clearly is not that's when right. it gets somebody was telling me today that they thought that ben affleck was the best live action batman since christian bale and i'm like he's the only <laughs> there haven't been any others what are you talking about <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I, have been others, but, um, I mean, since uh, Christian Bale, Bale, yeah, um, it's only him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I do not remember. I can't remember his uh, Will Arnett's voice performance <laughs> from Lego Batman the movie. Oh, that would be animated, not live action. Uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I just laughed. I'm like, what are you talking about? I guess they already are the the trailer for the Batman with Robert Pattinson. I guess counts. I don't know. Anyway, that was which funny. it looks really good, by the way. Like yeah, I was, I mean, I I wasn't skeptical because I've seen a lot of Robert Pattinson's films since uh, Twilight, right? Yeah. And I think he gets a lot of hate for that unjustifiable. But uh, you know, uh, yeah. Um, and I think I watched the trailer. I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> when he did the What's the iconic line? Oh, I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> I guess it was iconic, but it was it was yeah. he did the Batman voice, and I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, maybe there's some there's something here. So I think, I think that I'm quite excited yeah. for for that. I, I think more than watching the Snyder cut. <laughs> same, yeah, definitely same. Well, yeah. so Alex, did you have an unpopular opinion that you that you experienced? Oh, well, I share. Um um well if we're going to go back to most recently um mm-hmm. um let's see most a very unpopular opinion um i watched pulp fiction for the first time late uh well not so recently actually it was like maybe it was like a handful of months ago but i really didn't like it i'm with you <laughs> i don't like it either <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I, I actively don't like it, and yeah, I have a lot of either. I have a lot of friends, a lot of family as well that that is like their movie. They watch it like yeah. every month. It is like one of the movies that defines them as a person. And I'm like, really? Yeah. God, it's my husband's not. favorite. He oh, loves really? like, <laughs> like this is not like a movie you want to live your life code by. You know what I mean? I mean yeah. like. 
<laughs> you don't like you if you're watching the godfather you can be like yeah he's a great anti-hero but you're not by any means being like i want to live my life like this guy <laughs> like you know he's an anti-hero like, that's come on now like you like him but you don't like him Come on, the whole wallet scene in the diner that was great. Well, that's like, there's, well, that's like, I, there's a handful of scenes that I think are actually really great. Um, yeah. I thing is, I, I I think there's some really interesting characters, but I I just didn't click. There was a handful of things that I felt like were very very unnecessary. I really didn't like how they made it seem like oh my gosh, what's the same? Um, Ving Rhymes character that ended up getting raped or almost raped in the film, where they kind of make it seem, they almost make um, male sexual assault, a, almost joke. like a joking matter. Yeah. And especially, and it's, oh, and it's even worse because he's a, because he's a black man and he's an adult and they make it seem like it's this, this joking matter that he's going to just brush off. No, this was yeah. an assault. This was absolutely an aggressive, violent assault. They brought race into this, and and they were these. They were like these conf- active Confederate flag wielding assholes, racists. Yeah. Well, and- when you express those kinds of opinions on your podcast, do you feel like you are generally uh, accepted, or do you find that mm-hmm. that it's it's problematic? You get a lot of trolls. Um, it's, when I expo- when they ask me why, they always ask me why, which I think is good from which is good because if they say I don't like it and they're like, well, clearly you just didn't understand it. Thankfully, I haven't had been in that situation. Um, they ask me why I didn't like, it, and I'm like, oh, because of X, Y, and Z. And they're like, okay, that makes sense. I interpret it this way, so okay. But yeah. thankfully, from that experience, like a good ninety percent of it um like a good 95 for 90 95 percent of my interactions were pretty positive but also guys just really vocally love that movie (laughs) yeah i i recently got the oh you just didn't understand it with the with tenet and that that Uh. i I did not i didn't care for it (laughs) i didn't care for it and uh oh well (laughs) sorry you just you just didn't get it (laughs) that i i i did get that from um when chatting with some people uh about justice league Zack snyder's justice league oh yeah you just didn't get it yeah i think a lot of zack snyder a lot of snyder fans are, are that way right you know like sometimes i don't know his films are they're not for everyone and i think and i think the important part is that we we kind of just accept it like Mm -hmm. I'm just like you know yeah yeah I mean I didn't like it but you know kudos to you if you did right you know you found something you enjoyed yeah Yeah. so it's I mean it's crazy about Tenet right because it was so divisive and the person is just like you didn't get it I think a lot of people (laughs) felt the same well there's again there's some things that where you can as a critic you can like you can say, oh, I liked it because I thought it was really, just really cool. And it had a lot of really great visuals and stuff. Like if you're going to be going into Zack Snyder's filmography, for example, um, things, he's he's a director that, what I really like about him as a director, he's a director that really focuses on the style and a, in a really great way that I think a lot of directors kind of opt out of. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes me sad because I think a lot of his visuals and um, cinematography and it is absolutely stunning in the films. Mm. Yeah, often with his films, I I like them in concept, like even something like the Martha scene. I like it in concept, what he's trying to do, (laughs) but it's just executed so poorly that it comes off (laughs) as laughable. And uh, I haven't seen the the cut yet, so I can't speak to that. But I I think that a lot of times I'm frustrated because then people will explain it and be like, oh, this is what he was trying to say. And I'm like, good job for you yeah Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that that's not what the movie did (laughs) yeah also the the movie is supposed to make it very clear as well there's some things that you can be like oh like some things are incredibly subjective other Mm -hmm. things are not like Zack Snyder has a problem with his female characters because almost every single female character except from like less than five Mm -hmm. have either been have either died or been traumatized or raped or beaten to death (laughs) in some fashion and that's like a weird consistency that we get 
from this director. Yeah. Well, the next thing that we like to talk about is to, to talk about one piece that you did that you're really proud of, whether it's a review or a uh, another kind of piece that you've been working on a video or a podcast or whatever it might be. Um, what did you think of Natasha? Um, one of my, I think, re- favorite recent pieces was the one that I wrote on um, Promising Young Woman. Um, and I think the whole idea of um, how she kind of used like rom-com formulas and subverted them. So mm-hmm. the I focused a lot on the Paris Hilton song scene, Stars Are Blind, and how she kind of made use of, you know, like in rom-coms generally there's some kind of song and dance. And then, you know, which kind of lets you know that, that these two are going to be paired up and end up together at the end, right? And then she just kind of turns it on its head, right? Because we see this man and he's so funny, you know, and he has no qualms dancing to a Paris Hilton song in a drugstore, right? And we are like, oh, wow, you know, it, you know, he's so cute and funny, right? And then uh, and then at the end, you know, when um, when the truth is kind of revealed, right? Um, you know, the true, his true nature, Um and I didn't like, it made me really think back to all the little red flags that he had exhibited throughout the movie, like even earlier on before, like, you know, this whole confrontation scene, like there are a few moments where he calls her like bitch or, you know, asshole, right? Um, and he does it in like a playful way. So we kind of like excuse it. We are like, you know, oh, it's just banter and things like that, right? Uh, you know, and even I think there was a moment where, um they kind of coincidentally walked past his flat, right? And then, you know, she kind of thought she was overreacting, right? But then, you know, now in hindsight, we kind of see like perhaps it was a red flag. So uh, I really love that film. Uh, mm. And I think, um, you know, the the way it ended for me, I mean, is it, am I going to spoilers? I don't know, like, <laughs> but uh, it was just devastating. I think for, um, I think it's powerful when a film can do that, you know, that um, when it can, where it can leave you, um, you know, feeling so, you know, like so against, I think, um, what you expected going in. Because I think the way it was promoted is like this revenge kind of film, right? And, you know, she she kind of, you know, goes around and, you know, um, um, lets all these men kind of, you know, feel a taste of their own medicine, right? Um, you know, but at the end, um, you know, when she went in, right? And, uh, you know, and all the, the things that kind of played out, right? The whole time I just kept thinking, it can't be, it can't be like this. This can't be the end, right? You know, it can't, this can't be her fate, right? And even until the, you know, the end, I just kept expecting, uh, you know, him to kind of rush in and save her, right? And I thought, oh my God, you know, like I, there are certain kind of stereotype ways that I think about, I think, um, you know, when it comes to romance and I think, um stories you know female stories and I think uh you know generic kind of ideas or tropes about you know Prince Charming and all that right and I think uh as you really really kind of you know deconstructed this whole entire thing so uh yeah and I think I mean so that was it's one of my uh recent favorite articles that I wrote about yeah yeah and the thing with her is that she's not a she's an anti-hero she's not a somebody you should be emulating in her life because I made the comparison in my review to Black Christmas which had some of the same kind of ideas of like talking about consent and things like this but I think I promised you was so much better because it actually uh, it, it actually gave some room for how women can behave whereas I felt like Black Christmas it was like you either behave like these these women these kick butt supposed women or you are evil and you are wrong and you are going to face the consequences and and that really irritated me because there's not just one way to be a woman and one way to respond to men or all this kind of stuff and so i just thought the promising one was so much more interesting about how it 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 focused on the same kind of topics and ideas so I really, I enjoyed it as well. I think that's a very good, very good pick. What about you, Alex? What, what would you have as a podcaster or an episode that you're proud of? Um, an overall episode that um, I in particular am very proud of um, was over Christmas, uh, Drew and I covered planes, trains, and automobiles that mm. neither of us have seen. 
Um, it was actually a guest pick. We had a, a, um, a YouTuber come on and talk about the movie. It's one of his, it's his favorite holiday movie of all time. And we talked about it, but we ended up bringing a bunch of uh, different ideas and premises and theories. We've heard about conspiracy theories that have been brought up regarding the story. Like he actually had the body of his dead wife in the box kind of thing. And um, we all interpreted the ending very, very differently. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the, the movie ending, but it's essentially this, this, this woman reuniting with this man after this really really long journey with his new wacky buddy kind of thing I very very much interpreted that whole coming together scene because it's filmed like a rom-com but the thing is the rom-com is between these two men the, this quirky guy that's like trying to figure stuff out and this straight laced a little too serious kind of guy by the book and it's played the, a lot of the monologues are played very romantic and very much like a rom-com. It was actually written by John Hughes and he's actually said in interviews, he purposefully did this. And so when finally the man, um, uh, the husband and wife reunite and he brings uh, his friend in, I, like, I interpret it as if they were trying to, he wanted to do a triad. <laughs> like I thought it was gonna be a, like a romantic thing between the three of them. <laughs> And then we're like, <laughs> I was like, well, there's a lot of longing glances between the three of them. And they're in a group hug, I mean. And it's laid up like an upbeat moment. I, I mean, like, this is there. there's no moment where, like, oh, the, the husband and wife are hugging and then they shove that guy away or he's off to do his own thing. No, they come together. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna rethink all my group hugs now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, so I'm like, is he, did he just figure out he was bisexual and so he wants to do this and he's trying to introduce it to his wife? Like, <laughs> literally, that was my concept going into it. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> so that's that, funny. Wasn't was there a, like a Paul Rudd movie? I can't remember the name that kind of did this. That used the rom com formula and applied it to like a bromance. Was it, a- um, it was I Love You Man. Oh, yeah, I Love You yes. Man. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was great. Well, one that I'm kind of proud of that I did recently was I I do this family movie night every week, and I've been doing it for, oh, gosh, for like four or five years, a long time. So I have, I, I've gone through a lot of my kind of classics, but I had never, for family movie night, never reviewed uh, very many Disney films because I'd already reviewed them in other places on my channel, but I was trying to think of what to cover. And I thought, well, why don't I cover Beauty and the Beast? And, but that's hard because there's, uh, you know, all the music problems that you have. Yeah. So I thought, how could I do it that I could, I could have fun and and cover it. And so I just decided to sing the songs myself. And I'm not like the best singer in the world, but I have like an okay voice, I would say. And uh, and so I just did just because it was fun. And yeah. um, and I got such a nice response. Everybody seemed to really like it. And I, I enjoyed doing it so much that I actually then did Little Mermaid. And and that was, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. And so to, to yeah, that was really fun. And, uh, and so I hope to get to do Tangled one of these days uh, and maybe even Frozen. I don't know if I can pull off those songs. They're really hard. Oh my God. <laughs> I see the light. <laughs> oh, I would love to see that. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. But yeah. it was just really oh fun because again, I know I'm not the greatest singer in the world, but I put myself out there and just had fun and people seemed to like it. So that made me happy. Uh, so that that's one that I'm pretty proud of from recently. <laughs> and you've discovered a whole new way to get around yeah. the copyright. <laughs> Troubleshooting right there. That's yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they can't stop me from singing acapella. <laughs> yeah. I got that's brave. That's brave. I don't even dare to sing in my shower. <laughs> so my husband's yeah. like, what's that? Are you in pain? <laughs> Did you fall down? <laughs> So that that's one for me, but also I, uh, I love when I get to over at Hallmarkies podcast, I do a lot of interviews and I love when I can get to interview somebody who's like 
kind of nervous or insecure about doing the interview. And by the end, they've had a really good time and they really enjoyed it. That's, that's my goal is to try to make it comfortable for them and make it fun and make it something that they'll enjoy. And sometimes it can be hard. There was, there was one, there was one guy that he was just like, sometimes I love interviewing like the smaller actors who you know just have the bit parts they can be really really interesting but this particular actor was he kept apologizing like oh it's just such a small part it's such a small part and i feel like oh. saying there are no small parts only small actors, small actors. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. but anyway and he was really nervous and i was just like oh gosh and and so i finally we just started talking about the this was last year we started talking about the oscar nominees for some reason and we spent even though it was hallmark podcast we ended up spending almost the whole time talking about joker <laughs> and that oh, finally wow. got him he was like he was finally finally and i'm like okay whatever <laughs> like i'm sure people that were listening to it were like why is why are they doing this but they have no idea that i was so yeah. happy to get that because finally that got him talking and i'm like i was grateful for joker they have no idea <laughs> So yeah, I, I love I, those. a lot of people love to talk about that movie. I think <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like when I posted anything, it's like wow. Like usually no one responds. <laughs> you know, you post it on Facebook, and then it's like wow. But that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you take what you can get sometimes when you're doing interviews. Well, we, I'll tell you that. What were you supposed to be talking about? What was the agenda? Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there we go. That those are some really great things to be proud of. Well, thank you so much for coming and doing this. I really appreciate it. It was so fun to get to know both of you and to get to hear about your careers. And I'm so excited to continue checking out your content in the future. And uh, Natasha, where can people find you? Um, wait, you mean like social media? Yeah, okay. social media and, and your articles. Uh, yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter. You can follow me at LitMySoul. So that's L-I-T-M-Y-S-O-U-L. <laughs> so, um, um, and of course, um, if you want, you know, just to go directly to the site, it's culturedvouchers.com. Uh, so uh, there's lots of great content like games, uh, wrestling, um, books, uh, and TV as well. So we do all those, all sorts of content. Can I just show my shirt really quick? Oh, yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to show it off <laughs> before <laughs> I wore it so special. Oh my I, god. I, I, Everyone is obsessed with Tom Hiddleston. Oh my god. Loki, I extension. She, <laughs> you and her would be best friends. Yes, oh my god. I wrote uh -huh. him a fan letter and I never sent it because, <laughs> because it's so embarrassing. Are you excited for the new show then? Yes, oh my god. everyone's been tagged. So everyone's been tagged. I'm so excited, especially after I've watched WandaVision and I think it's really lived up to yeah. the expectations. So I'm really excited for like uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and of course Loki is like, my god. Like Me I think too. when I first watched Thor, uh, everyone was like Chris Hemsworth, right? And I was like, well, who's that guy? <laughs> who's he? <laughs> like, he's so good. And uh, yeah. I feel like everyone was talking about Tom Hiddleston and not Chris I mean, okay, there's okay. a reason why Chris Holmesworth is getting the jobs, and sorry, that Tom Hiddleston is getting all the jobs, and Chris Holmesworth isn't. You're both oh. so dreamy. <laughs> uh, even oh, yeah. for the Dark World, I'm like, I can't hate it. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> even the weird bathing scene, right? Yeah. It's just like, ah, uh, I can't hate it. <laughs> uh, Alex, what about you? Where can people find you? Um, I just changed my name. You can find, oh, sorry. You can find me right here at real underscore Alex Mack on Twitter. You can also find me at the collection podcast where I do a whole bunch of stuff in, involving a schmodown after shows, schmodown debates, movie debates, and all that good stuff. I also co-host a show called Cinnobias where we dive into our personal movie biases to, to challenge each other to really expand our movie knowledge and just watch movies outside our comfort zone so definitely come check it out on youtube or anywhere podcasts are found right and are you uh are you cataloging your 300 movie watch on twitter or letterboxd or anything like that i just just got a pin tweet right i saw it I do, I do have a very extensive like I, I am like whenever i get to eventually get to like two or three hundred i'm just gonna be scrolling for like 
10 years before I finally am able to tweet it. Um, I just saw the movie Doc Hollywood last night for the first time. And I have a real big, usually have a big, very big problems with 80s and 90s comedies. Uh, I usually don't age well. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. And then Doc Hollywood um wasn't great but wasn't nearly as bad as uh, a lot of other movies at the time it's like cars cars but with people it's the same story exactly it is yeah that's right just whoa <laughs> <laughs> only there's a child involved obviously it was before cars cars is like doc hollywood <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah i was like okay <laughs> Well, very good. That's great. Uh, I'll have all the information in the description. So you all should definitely check that out and let us know what you think. We talked about a lot of different stuff. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comment section or on Twitter. Please share this uh, video. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. We really appreciate that so much. And if you are watching this video, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have our patron group and merch store which we have female film critics logo uh, merch on there so you should check that out it's pretty cool looking i think and uh, so thanks again ladies so much this was a great time and uh, we'll talk to you all next month bye everyone thanks for having us Yay.